Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. so curious about like oh maybe i want to go to school for this if i go to school and finish an audio engineering degree even though it's not very likely i would be able to apply it to really much of anything beyond like our projects that could put my disability in, in jeopardy because like that's a thing i could do well you, pat so you are actually pretty good at self-directed learning i know it no, just no what i'm me saying is is that you were right just, it's when facing the audience yeah it's just just think of it as um, download the books that they yeah. use to teach. Corey has some of those books. They might be a little outdated, mm. but we can get new ones. Yeah. And then you can probably learn a lot of this yourself. Maybe. It's just frustrating to no, know I that know. it's it like... No, I know. It sucks that to follow the proper channels fucks you. Especially the poorer you are. And it's, it, it's especially frustrating because the... We don't do it in reverse is the thing I've been thinking about where, like, I keep – this is probably cutting from the – yeah, whatever. But, like, I keep thinking about, like, I'm not going to get this – I'm as fucked by the healthcare system as Elon Musk in a way, right? But I'm never going to get the quality of care he will get, and I will also never get the choice for care yeah, he will so, get. So, yeah, and there's a difference I, between you're fucked. There's a difference between how you guys are fucked. He's fucked because everyone wants his money. You're fucked because no one wants to help you because you don't have money. Yeah. And and if I improve things, like like if Elon Musk somehow gets worse physically, no one's going to be like, well, you can't be wealthier, right? Like nobody's going to insist he be poorer. Yeah. If I physically get, it's that thing that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. If I if I magically get one more vertebrae, ta-da! I'm 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 I might get fucked as far as disability is concerned because they'll be like, well, you got better, right? Yeah. Or if like one symptom goes away and the rest aren't, like it's just. It's just weird that they're like, no, you have to be the most fucked or else we don't care. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that's fucked up of you. Like, that's that's ref- – All of it's so fucked up. All right. Anyway. Well, and it doesn't help that so many people are, are grow up with the impression that um, there's so many people just on disability who don't deserve it or don't need it. And, it's- and I mean, I'm, I'm not here to get into that conversation because there are people out there, you know – with how many thousands worth of lives worth of money? So, yeah. if you've gained the system to get some disability, <laughs> fuck yeah, ride that train. And it's always, it's also a thing. But also advocate for everybody else to get that disability as well. And it's also a thing that's the only of thing like, I care about. If, if you think someone, like, if, if that's the person, you, you don't want the person who's trying to steal disability to work with you anyhow because they're the kind of person who would steal from people who need disability. Do you want that kind of person out in the regular world just doing shit involved with work? No. That's how you right? get that's like, how you, that's, that's how you uh, get like salmonella and shit because it's somebody being like, all right, well I'll half ass cooking this. I'll half ass like no. That's how people get sick. That's how people die. That's how people get workplace injuries because someone else is working sloppily and uncaringly. 
and it's also like if if you're really worried about like oh these people are stealing from us think about the people that are really stealing yeah no, look at the people who are actually stealing people. from you billionaires corporations well and honestly i think that leads into uh what we're going to talk about today patrick thomas perkins oh what is that rochelle god damn it you, you have you have yeah. the uh, uh uh table of contents today yes i do i do have the table of contents because you're, i do not trust you you are full director today i, I am- do not trust you today I don't trust anyone today. It's been a long couple of weeks. It's fucking hot. It's so hot. We're recording in the living room. It is 84 degrees in my living room. I am so sorry. If anything, I should just save up to get another air conditioner. Um, but, uh, we are here to talk about- Start, 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 start a porn site for just the one air conditioner and call it OnlyFans. All right. Anyway, moving on. Boom. I will cut both these interactions out of this. No, will, leave it in. You need keep, to. You will, need to. People need to know what's will, happening. I will here. keep my shame in here. But I mean, talking about um, labor conditions, and I mean, who you want to be working with. Uh, today, we're talking about the strikes that are going on and that are going to going to happen um, because it's uh, it's important to us. And like, what's interesting is that kind of interconnected towards the end yeah and um one of the strikes that's upcoming could directly affect my employment not that i'm a union worker but it could definitely affect my employment which is why we we, so this one's personal i think i think actually the better (laughs) the better i do i honestly think the better place to start than what we wrote down is how how our event went because i had i had a fun time actually yeah so um we um performed for a starbucks workers union uh benefit they had um hip-hop they had other musicians they had comedians there were art vendors there was there was all kinds there of was people. All sorts of stuff going on. I met uh, someone that I should have known back in Montana because we know all the same people. So that means Montana's small enough that that happens. Um, and uh, we all got to do comedy. It wasn't in its best space for comedy, but that just happens. Yeah, I'm used to doing comedy was, in places that aren't built for us. But as I said to the audience, like they were all into it. Which yeah, is and they nice. were really kind. Like no one was like super shitty, and there was definitely laughter happening. Um, and all the comics did really good. Jane, Jane was her beautiful, nasty self. Zane had the best puns around. Yeah, it was really. It's always nice seeing uh, Jane. Uh, Pat got clapped her. Yeah, which is which is Pat fine. Got lots of clapped her. They, they did ask me to speech off. I feel uh, every, I think every, you did a good yeah. job. I'm I'm gonna run for president now. That's uh, the. Be like, fill the. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask how you can fill my back hole. Please, <laughs> please sit on my face. Give me Vicodin. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I, but I, that does that, that. That I was mentioning that though because that did touch on what we what you were saying, which is like all of these things are interconnected. When, yeah. when you improve, that was the basically. Even if you don't have a union job, strong unions will help you. Um, because unions do help set standards and they also get like pushed. Well, if a union is functioning the way they are intended to function in regards to the union members, your wages should go up. Your working conditions could, could, could improve and lots of other things. And you'll see that trickle in the lives of all in all sorts of work. So say you work at a restaurant, you'll have more union workers in who are able to spend more and tip more, you know, and 
And if they're doing that, like, like the back and forth support goes both ways, which is like if you're in a traditionally, if you're in a union and you know about non-union workers who are in shitty conditions, you're a little bit more likely to want to help those people because you know how good you have it. Like America, well, if you, America if, seems if to be the, a good person. Yeah. Uh, the, the United States does seem to be the exception that maybe does disproves the rule. Well, I don't no, know. No, it's not. It. It's. I think it's, uh, I remember when I was getting into a conversation with one of the drivers at work, I, I was talking about France. He's like, yeah, well, France is different. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about the ways that France is different and talk about how maybe it would be great if we had some of that stuff so we could be there. I, yeah. I understand that we need to talk about how things really are, but I think that also requires us talking about what we want it to be. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't Harriet. mind I wouldn't mind a little more I wouldn't I I would I would mind more French language wouldn't mind a little more French zest for liberty and égalité and freedom. Uh, but like as a cripple, if you if you improve the working conditions of people, then people are much more likely to care about my conditions, right? Or or vice versa, be able to provide the friends in my life would be able to provide more care or have more time to hang out with me. Right. And that's quality of life is super important to me when I don't have I don't know what my quantity of life is going to be. You know what I mean? Like, bum, bum, bum. and I don't mean that as in like, I'm going to die. I just mean like, I mean, I but mean, you're not not going to die. We're all going to die. But you know what I mean? I'm not like cancerous. But so like we, we <laughs> wanted to talk about unions. So, Pat, you wanted to talk about uh History and philosophy of striking and unions, and I don't know as much of that. Uh, so. Yeah, and this isn't going to be the full recyclables deep dive. This, this is, is going to be the, the stuff. Cliff notes. Yeah, this is just the, this is this is the what I would tell my kid in, in summary, which is like, and you have to keep it short because she's not going to listen for yeah, long. Which is interesting thing. America kind of did innovate a lot of the labor rights stuff. Like we had some of the earliest trade unions and stuff in the white racist North to keep black workers out. So there's that cool. So, part. so unions came out of excluding black people. Yeah. Got it. Uh, I mean, not exclusively. There was stuff like that but going on in Europe. And, that's and, and, the uniting uh, thing uh, in that, America. That's, that's the United States twist on it for sure. Um, but like the stuff Marx is writing about is in part uh, when he's writing stuff in the 1800s is based on stuff that is happening in Europe for sure but it's also being innovated in america and one of the things is america as as an a, a expansionist colonial empire meaning we keep pushing our borders and building new things that means we need people to build and make new things right which means we have a lot at first we did that with slavery then we once we once the north outlawed that worker you needed workers to be incentivized to continue to work and that's where a lot of that came from. And a lot of that was also their own notions of like democracy and realizing like, oh, we, the, the, the propaganda that started the American empire of like, no, you can speak up for yourself and band together as a community. And like, we're going to cash in on that again. Yeah. That's a lot of how unions literally in the United States. Now, a lot of stuff gets as once Marx uh, starts writing his when stuff. When Marx starts getting all Marxy and uh, communism kind of gets added to the mix, they definitely get. Uh, 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 conflated with each other but as you mentioned like uh, when we were kind of talking beforehand uh, uh, unions are a, a capitalist concession right it's that kind of liberal thing where it's like well we want capitalism but we want it within like terms and services that make us feel the least guilty it kind of reminds me of the concept of insurance like another thing to protect you against capitalism fucking you over when shit hits the fan. Yeah. But for this, it's like protecting the worker against what capitalists do. 
And there's um, there's there's definitely branches of unionism that can go even further, like anarcho syndicalism, which is like, hey, let's just let unions run everything, fuck all the bosses, and unions will negotiate with each other. Which is a whole like I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of all yeah, these things. Yeah, because like I think it's fair to say that like in a perfect world, unions would not have to exist because in a perfect world, capitalism wouldn't exist in my per- in in my perfect world. Yeah, and right. Th- th- like I don't I don't dream of making money for someone else until I die. Yeah, and I mean we're going to talk about today how there is definitely some bad actors within unions. Like it's so, cause like a lot of times when you bring up unions, people always talk about that part yeah. of it. And I'm like, yes, but it's kind of like when you talk about, um, uh, when you talk about Republicans being shitty and then they're like, yeah, well you Democrats are shitty too. And it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. However, one of them is at least doing lip service to the shit that you need. Yeah. One of them is is making promises that maybe they will not keep, but they're things you want to hear. The other one is saying, hey, let's outlaw people, a.k.a. unalive Hey, let's them. genocide trans people. Let's just, yeah. And you then know? if you're fine with that, let's see what else we can, let's see what else we can Let's genocide. eradicate transgenderism. That happened, I'm pretty sure, at CPAC recently. That was oh. said in a speech. Let's eradicate transgenderism and he said after the fact no 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 no, that wasn't transphobia that wasn't transphobia i was just saying like let's let's just end all just, of them let's anyway just, you know let's just stop it so to backtrack to when the democrats and the republicans were opposite of what they were or i guess that comes later anyway well uh, that's post-civil war post-civil war so pre-civil war there is the republicans uh, then i imagine yeah uh, pre-Civil War in the United States in particular, there is a history of some amount of unionism, some amount of workers organizing with each other for some amount of rights. Worker stoppages specifically being a thing where workers will be like, no, we're just not going to do anything. And that's actually an innovation because before that there were a fair amount of like fuck you riots or like – I wouldn't say enslavements, but there have been situations where like armed guards have been put around to make sure people work. Right, and maybe you're not beat, but then like you are being surveilled by armed guards. I don't know how you want to rate that. Uh, the main the main thing was that these were usually localized groups. So like whatever your local industry is, that's how you organize, right? So like that trades guilds, that sort of thing. Uh, the innovation that America gets is as we get bigger, in particular, uh, land wise, like landmass wise. Some of these unions link up. I don't know that it's exclusive to America. I know it's something we do here. That's how you get groups like the Teamsters that are like, hey, we are all the people, the Teamsters, the people who are responsible for pushing carts, loading them up, like that sort of thing. Uh, and there's an era of early labor, right? Like there's some fun dollop, dollops worth listening to. Uh, Behind the Bastards covers it once in a while. Um, there's at least a couple of revolutions episodes that cover more what's going on in Europe than what's going on in America, but that explain some of the greater like history of 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 labor and and uh, capital as far as relationships go. And if you go further back into past times, there's definitely like to a certain degree the slave revolts of slave wars of ancient Rome uh, are are are. I think they're supposed to have a better name than that that I'm supposed to use, but but that's a certain amount of like a labor stoppage of sorts. Like w- when you take up arms against the people insisting you work or die, I, I feel like maybe that's a long term history of a strike. I'm losing my own thread for a second. Sorry, getting back into it. The thing about American laborism is you manage to make multiple labor's uh, unions link together in solidarity with each other. Um, probably one of the more interesting times is pre World War One. 
uh, a lot of uh, uh, ground is gained by labor unions. Uh, and then once World War One happens, there's a kind of it's kind of the same thing that happened with 9-11, where like a lot of patriotism swelled. And once we joined in the war effort, like it was more important to succeed at the war effort than su- to succeed at uh, uh, labor rights. And a lot of that was people seeing solidarity with people in other parts of the world being more important than their local fights, because it was like, well, we need to win the fight kind of internationally against whatever the fuck you you hated in world war one I, I don't remember what a propaganda was and similar thing happened in world war ii where it was like we got pretty far in labor rights and then once world war ii happens there's a lot of like it's important to stop the nazis and defeat the japanese that we built all of our crap against well and i mean this kind of echoes a bit to what i don't know if labor rights were getting right better or pre-covid but covid definitely like it was a time to expand them in time of emergency and then remove them immediately after. Yeah, and people have felt that crunch. Uh, mm-hmm. And and basically, there are two big unions. There's the Teamsters Union, the the A AFC AFL CIO. I'm assuming there's the Teamster Union, and then there's the other one that I mentioned. Uh, sec, sorry, I saved it, and then I didn't. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, so there's the Teamster Union, and then there's the AFL-CIO. And a little bit, like, like cutting down a lot of history, basically the Teamsters and that sort of thing are more uh, personalized unions, private unions, in that it's like the people and individuals forming them. And then once wartime sets in, some industries just need to happen in order for war to continue. So the government kind of forms unions of its own uh, that end up becoming the AFL-CIO, which is like the ones that the cops are in, but it's also things like the merchant marines and like dock workers and shit like, or not not dock workers because those are teamsters, but like other other things associated with that. like uh, uh, Other like industry shit. Yeah, and uh, other industries and other things that are important to governance. So like... Uh, uh, some of their affi- allied and affiliated groups include uh, Jobs with Justice, uh, Lawyers Coordinating Committee, Day Labor Organization, Domestic Worker Alliance. So things where it's like we need these things to make society function so that they have a base standard of living and quality. <laughs> and then just to cut all of that super short, uh, post-World War II labor rights begin to kind of get eroded at in part because there's a basically all of the industry that was used for war is used to make consumer goods that sort of inflated sense of success spreads around so people care a little bit less about their rights on an individual level because it's like well you know i can i can afford a house and a car so maybe the union doesn't matter as much uh, but then as those erode away and the cost of living increases, you definitely feel the crunch. And then in various times, such as the 60s, and as we've covered in uh, the cost of convenience in the 80s, uh, there were definitely swells of movement. As as shit gets worse, labor rights uh, organizations tend to step up to fill in the gap. It's like a condom. And I know union yes. reps use that quite a bit, but it's like... I mean, they say that quite a bit from what I've heard uh, and the ones I've talked to, where it's like if somebody, the person that you would like to use protection with you sexually isn't going to use protection, you know you don't want to have sex with that person, right? Like that's a, that, it's like if you're not going to treat me with the bare quality, bare minimum of, of respect and what we need for that, then like I shouldn't be doing the rest of these things with you. And yeah. like oftentimes when an employer says things like we're family – 
they're talking about situations like like you that or like you've encountered where it's like cool you're family so i'll make you work 50 hours a week pay you for 30 of them because we're family because because it's what because that's what i would do to my and then the manager is and like here's another reason why unions are important because even though like they set management against labor when the conditions for labor is improved management can be like all right cool we'll fuck right off too Right, like, like, or else give us better conditions, give us better pay as well, and that's kind of why it, it's this weird mindset amongst the people who own the companies and like put the like the the investors and the shareholders, in addition to the CEO, have this definite mindset that if they're not making money, it's being taken away from them. So if they get you know a million dollars in profit this year because they've been taking money away from you. And next year, they only get half a million dollars because they paid you like a reasonable amount. They don't see that as, oh, your quality of life went up. They see that. They don't see that as, oh, I didn't make half a million dollars. They see that as, oh, you took half a million dollars away from me. Like they don't see it as, as they, they, they see it as what they want to see it to justify all the money they take. Yeah. So this is something I've always thought about when it comes to jobs is that. If you have to pay someone, that means they're technically a problem, even if they're doing work for you. Yeah. So it's like this, I get really blown away by this idea that you always have to cut labor costs, cut labor costs, cut labor costs, cut labor costs, um, because you can always just hire more people. You can always hire more people. You can always replace that shit. And so it just gets so exhausting because like, I just, I can't imagine treating people like that in my life so like i don't think i could ever own a business yeah but let's get a little bit back on a little bit of topic because like so the one that was was more prominent like at the beginning of spring and also throughout the summer has been the writer's strike Mm -hmm. um and i mean right now it's getting much more heated like this the actors are joining yeah actors are joining um actually okay I think it would I'll be a just, good one well, well you're getting that then i'll explain roughly who sam reich is so there's a it's I, robert reich's son first off who was the secretary of the interior i didn't know any of that Hold before on. all of this but the 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 important part is he runs a company called dropout which is a streaming service they play a uh, critical no they do dimension 20 sorry so it's like Improv comedy, improv uh, comedy, live, uh, like scripted, sh- scripted shows in the way that like uh, uh, com- like scripted comedy shows, like they'll most of it is currently improv. There is a few more like live play shows as well as like some game shows that are pretty fun. And so his father was the Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton uh, from 1993 to 1997. I would say that Sam Reich is a an example of a nepo baby gone good. Yeah, yeah. When they break, um, when they break good. So here's uh, here's what um, Sam Reich said on Threads. I can't believe there's a new one um, about this. Um, I stand in complete and utter solidarity with our striking performers. I myself am SAG-AFTRA, and as are others on our executive team, having come from the world of working actors. I am not. I am nothing but sympathetic to the cause and outraged by the mafia-like behavior of AMPTP. It is harder than ever to make a living in this industry, and that goes even for the lucky few of us who get to work on meaningful projects. In the meanwhile, uber-rich CEOs and shareholders are cashing in like ever before. Major streamers are gambling millions on dubious projects and business models. 
Hollywood is hiding profits and playing the victim while drinking champagne aboard uh, super yachts and support yachts. I'm adding that. Um, Dropout production is right now on hold because we're not associated with AMPTP. It's possible we may be able to reach an interim agreement with SAG that allows us to continue to produce content during the strike. But we'll only do that, obviously, if we get the blessing of the union and the buy-in of our performers. If not, we have enough content to last us a little past the end of the year. I pride myself in that Dropout has always paid above SAG minimums as the years go on, and the company is healthier. Uh, go on, and the company is healthier. We will strive to do even better, and even better still. Without the talent of our uh, performers, we are zilch. And then this is a screenshot from someone who uh, worked with Dropout. They said. The Netflix show in question is shorter than a traditional half hour, but College Humor and Dropout paid me more than that for one of their scripted series. Dropout was a brand new online platform at the time and still managed to pay their actors more than Netflix for scripted uh, short-form content. Um, public companies don't often do this for the very simple reason that they feel more indebted to their executives and shareholders than their workforce. It's why corporations are so often exploitative. Our industry, because our jobs are so desirable, is particularly vulnerable to exploitation. Hollywood takes advantage of that by making us feel generally commoditized, cheap, and replaceable, which is especially ironic given how uh, personal our work so often is. That's why unions and the power of collective bargaining is so important, because public companies often won't pay their workers any more than they're forced to. As for me, I intend to honor my SAG's my union's position that I not promote SAG productions as a performer, even if they're produced by me. That means I won't be personally promo uh, be promoting any of our shows for the time being. This year, instead of running an, a four-year consideration Emmy campaign for Game Changer, we donated $10,000 to the Entertainment Community Fund in solidarity with the workers, the Writers Guild. Today, in solidarity with SAG-AFTRA, I'm personally matching that donation in another 10000 if you have disposable income, I encourage you to donate as well. And as soon as I test negative for COVID, COVID, I'll see you on the picket line. So this is a, someone who owns a company making entertainment content, can properly pay his staff, and is in complete solidarity with what's going on with the Writers Guild and sag after. And like, I just want to, like, after reading that, I, I highlighted and sent to our little group chat, like, our industry, because our jobs are so desirable is particularly vulnerable to exploitation. And that is something that Pat and I deal with day in and day out. And engaging with Well, yeah, but you and I have a very personal experience with this because a lot of people assume, well, oh, stand-up's so fun. Like, who cares if you're not getting paid? You're having a blast. And it's, it's ironically, like, that's part of, that's a thing that gets me denied from disability is they're like, well, that's a job. And if I'm like, well, it's not a job that pays. And they're like, well, it could be. Like, because it could, because this illusion exists that, like, it's a des- desirable job and you wouldn't say it's a thing you do unless it's a job you do. Like, the idea to them that I would say, hey, I do stand up and not have it be a job, but that it would be something I do for art and enjoyment is also. Was, well, you're disabled. You can't do art. Yeah, that's, that is uh, a whole, whole other conversation. You Definitely not the reason, probably, throughout our human existence why artists. I guarantee you the disabled people in the crew were the ones who did that kind of shit. Cause it's like, yeah, I can't build a fucking house for you, but I can knit you a blanket. Well, I mean like that, that is, that is a weird thing about history is like for the longest time being disabled didn't matter. Also that's what separated us from other animals was our ability to take care of disabled and injured. 
I mean, there there are other animals that do things to help each other. Yeah, so, but, but we... we're, we're the ones that we're like, no, this is, we will figure out a use for you. Right. Exactly. Like, like being the way I am, I I probably would make an okay teacher or a fucking therapist. You'd be a or, babysitter yeah. too. I probably. definitely, I definitely think there's more than a few people who like subscribe to the show or whatever who are like, well, you sat and listened to me at my darkest for about an hour and a half, and I left a little less darker. Mm. Subscribe, like, like I feel like <laughs> I've had at least two comedians be like, you should do this professionally because this is, this, and then I'm like, that's more a reflection of how bad the health industry, particularly mental health, is. But well, male mental health especially. Yeah. Uh, but but. I, actually, these two points tie together, which is like a lot of that I think is related to, in a way, to working condition. Where if if the oppressing class, it's in their best interest, as we've oftentimes said, the bad guys are intersectional. It's in the oppressing class' best interest to make you feel like a piece of shit and and question all of that stuff, so that you will continue to work and not form in organizations of solidarity. Like yep. it's it's no, it's easier to control us if we're all separated and not united. And to go back to the writer's right in particular, it's also important. Like one of the reasons I think this is important is how we collectively have all come to realize the importance of a lot of arts. Yeah, like that's that's why I think a lot of people started to note. Like it doesn't matter if the writing is good or bad. Let me tell you. Writing is work. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's why we don't have scripts for our times, shows. And a lot of the times that uh, you see bad writing, it's not because of the writers. It's typically because of the uh, executive influence on it, or like fired writers halfway through. Someone te- interest groups kept on saying it needed to be different. They did screenings like, "Yeah, we need to cut that part. We need to cut that part. We need to add this part." Blah 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 blah. Uh, so like. But even and then, I'm not you're saying still... that there aren't shitty writers out there. But even then, you're still doing work. No, you're still doing work. But I'm also saying that, like, a lot of times when you see really shitty writing, it's around the time a writer strike is going to start yeah. or a writer strike is happening. Like the most famous example is like, that, that I know of is Heroes. Oh, but, Lost is another yeah. example as well. Uh, Lost got really uh, fucked by the writer strike, and I mean, who knows? The show. We're not even going to get into it. But we we were talking earlier about how Men in Black, the the first one really solid, right? Really good. The second one experiences the writer's strike like midway through, experiences a bunch of executive changes to it. And so like it's... A huge steaming dump. Yeah. But yeah, so we're talking about the writer's strike, but the one that's coming up... Well, the to, to also uh, to explain what the writers want in particular before we, we oh, get yes, off of it. Oh, yes, yes. So writers, the, the writers are specifically critiquing how streaming services work because with the way streaming services are at this point, and that's what, and actors are getting involved too because it's fucking them over too, is like there's no concept for residuals like there was with syndicating a TV show back in, like back in the day. Like, I, and, I and honestly. That's, that's what the original, that the writer site that we're talking about too, that happened for a similar reason where stuff started being on cable. And you would see shows be aired or movies be aired six, seven times a day. And writers are like, cool, I have the most popular movie and actors. I have the most popular thing in the country. And you're telling me we made no money off of this. There's right. no. And meanwhile, just like dude said, people are you, you, you change the financing on the back end. You do the Batwoman shit where you just cut whole projects so you can make a few million dollars. And then you don't pay people involved with projects or you. you yeah. Um, but so it's, it's a lot about streaming and syndication, uh, well, like, and, cause, like, the gal who played Kamiko 
in uh, Orange is the New Black, she showed her payout for syndication for, like, a certain period of time. And it was probably, like, maybe a month or if not more. But it was, like, 27 cents. And And that's because Orange is the New Black is a Netflix series. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because, so I was speaking with some comedians who, like, have specials, tour, you know, been on TV, very prominent folks. And they were talking about the fact that, like, a lot of the major places you have a comedy special through, you do not own that special. You do not own that recording in any way, shape, or form. Anytime that is played, you do not make money on it. Sometimes you don't even get paid to play the, the, uh, to make the special. It's all, like, you know, for exposure. That's that's why. So, well, but in the most prominent example is, I think, Tom Segura. No, not Tom Segura. Uh, fucking Kyle Kinane. Kyle Kinane has one of the most popular Netflix, um, Comedy Central specials. Like, behind, uh, what's his butt? Jim Gaffigan. He doesn't see any money from that. Whatsoever. And so, like, there's all these different ways that, like, us on the outside or even lower down in the ranks, we would see that as a success and assume that they can pay their bills and assume that they are able to, like, live a life of, like, at least a little bit of comfort. But in reality, they're getting fucked just as much or at, yeah. le- or at least still getting very fucked because there's no sort of standardization or unionization in comedy. And and to to bring up a Louis C.K. of it all, Ugh. the reason he got so wealthy and gained so much power is because he had the right series of circumstances to be able to sell his own specials and own all the rights to it, including like the downloads and stuff. Like the, his, his first big... God damn it, not the first one, but there's like a second album of his where he makes way more money than anyone else has made. Because he controlled in- the whole process. Yeah, because, and in part that is because he had the privilege and had been spending like 20 years in the background being like a writer and building up money from things in a time when you can do that, when you can make a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You, the The other shitty part of that situation is that the in the heyday of TV – you're still when you make a lot of money on a show you're not making as much money as you're making that chunk of money but that money has to work retroactively into your past debts and your bills and that prepare way. for future debts when you don't have work yeah and like, it's not like what and you that's s- why right now so sag joined the strike you know and then movie executives are now like cool we're just gonna hold out till the writers can't pay their mortgages or their rent anymore and they've said that. They've, is, they've openly said that. And, th- and that's so why it's important. So instead of pay people appropriate wages, instead of making sure that there's proper um, royalties for the work that you've provided, they're going to make people lose their housing so they can maintain lower wages and save more money. And these are people, Even though they have so much money, they could never spend it all. These ha- yeah, and they have more houses than they'll ever live in. Like, yeah. The, like, that's that's cool. Could it, you imagine... Could could you fucking imagine... Just, just go with me here, Pat. Could you imagine having two different places in two different parts of the country that are just yours and you can go back and forth to them where you are? That is like okay, let the me, bare minimum of being a celebrity. Let me up that. You have two places that you also don't visit. That's yeah, exactly. the bare minimum no, no. So it's like, so of it's like, being an executive. Yeah. Like, to be an executive, you have to have those places. And you have to have ones that are vacant all the time. And you don't timeshare them because that's trashy. 
Um, but and and to part of the reason that these situation the the writers are also kind of in a fuckety situation is that they're not being paid to work on shows full time anyhow. One of one of the reasons the AI of it is so important, and like I think part of the reason the news has tried to push it being such a cool technology is that what executives are counting on on the writing end are we will AI crap out a script, right? Then we don't have to pay a head writer. Instead, we'll pay somebody less to punch up this shitty AI script, and then they're not paid full time to do a job. They're just paid part time to fix a thing that we've already crapped out that we've decided is gonna be work well and the deal is because you get people like ben shapiro's of the world who exist for like as failed fiction authors and shit all right just just finishing up the labor condition things how writer rooms writing worked for uh, a while in hollywood was if you didn't have a project you were in a pool like like if you work for a studio or whatever you were in a pool of studio writers who would be picked up for a project so you were never out of work for too long Right. So there's there's that end. And then also like, oh, I got sorry, we'd hit my head for a minute there, bro. Uh, But then also, uh, if you're if you're working full time as a writer, part of what the union does is ensure that you're going to find some sort of writing gigs or that you're hooked up with an agent or like, I don't know the, the exact stipulations, but part of what they exist to do is to make sure that you continue to get work or that you're represented well. So like if your representation isn't isn't looking for gigs for you you can go to your union rep and be like hey i am literally being fucked by my agent like in in whatever please help yeah uh how it works uh, more often now as a writer is a little bit closer to that ai situation except maybe one person will write a script or or one person will break it and then they will kind of hire people part-time contract style to break a script to run it over for a weekend and clean it up Right, and you don't get paid as much for those so situations, it and it's sounds, not full time work. It sounds like the crunch style of making video games a bit. Corey, do you have like a couple sentences that would describe video game crunch? When a project is picked up, right, or or you know projected, um, there is kind of a, a timeline that most companies are given by the company that's telling them to make the game saying you have until this point in time to get this game done. And oftentimes they're making asks of these people that require them to work an extraordinarily like ridiculous amount of like overtime and a bunch of, yeah, in order to hit the deadlines that are set by executives more or less, these people have to work themselves to the bone. And it, it burnout is insane in the games industry. And like, it's and and it shows in the quality like recent years it's been very clear that like these people are getting work to the fucking bone and it's showing uh, in reflected in their work like we have some of the most gorgeous games ever coming out and they're broken as all hell (laughs) like (laughs) what what people didn't have time uh, to actually make it make sense like cyberpunk i think i I think that's like the most famous recent example where it's like yeah we'll put we'll put all the effort into making it look this way but like you'll pay for the add-ons that's the other end of that is like you'll pay extra for the patch-ons and the when these, you know, game uh, designers, uh, when all of the people who actually put the hours into making the product are making the game, since they're given a ridiculous timeline most of the time <laughs> with goals that are 
nigh on unaccomplishable. It's amazing that any game is released. Like, it's amazing that any game is released. And most of the games that have been panned publicly, probably within the last, like, ten years, um, with some exceptions, uh, are games that were victims to crunch, to uh, being given an unrealistic expectation. Um, and it's in, it's in public view, right? The public are, is told, like, this is when this game comes out. And so, because some dude says it, all these other people, this team of however many people, is then committed to it. It's the same thing that happens with Elon Musk every time he opens his mouth, right? He makes a promise that all of these actual people doing the work have to come up with a way to find a solution for. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And that's why games get panned. And then they come back because the devs are like, no, I busted my ass on this. I'm going to make it right because this is my name on the line. This is my, you know, pride and joy. If if it was all for naught, you know. Uh, just You made me think of uh, the, there's a video by H-Bomber guy about um, a Perfect Dark. Is that the name of the game? Uh, and the when he talks about the difference between the story in the like 90s version of the game versus the more modern version, a lot of that does come down to even in their writing and their coding and shit. It's like, well, yeah, back then we were making this game and we said, hey, we're making this game and we'll make it like when we're done making it. And this game we had to make by like whenever fucking asshat said the the h-bomber h-bomber guy in general is usually pretty much especially the longer videos are worth the watch by me yeah he very much on top of it as far as the games industry goes so and i believe i i don't know very much details i didn't study for this assignment so i do apologize for that although i am i am having some recollection that there has been talk a lot within the video game industry of unions and unionizing um, and I'm not sure how much progress has happened there. I unfortunately am not as into video games as I used to be. That's been Corey's video game corner. Actually, at some point, Corey and I, I guess now when we, if we ever do do a Twitch show, it'll have to be called Corey's video game corner. Like, yeah, we've named it. Uh, but that is similar to what's going on with writers. Yeah, because like they're, they're being told like, Hey, you're going to do this crunch, get this shit done for this script that's already been prepared. Then we don't have to put you into our network of writers. Then we don't have to give you healthcare. Then we don't have to pay you full time. You're just doing a part time gig because you're just fixing this script that we had some other asshole write. And then if the series lives or dies, you don't get credit either way. Right. Like, just the showrunner, or the fucking producer, or fucking, uh, for whatever reason, J.J. Abrams. Like, he, just his, just he's in the same room as you, and he's like, nah, I, I'm, put my name on it. Uh, and that's, I think bringing up Elon Musk is also important because it, it's, it's a similar thing that people like him did with like I think he did PayPal before, wasn't that him? He didn't do PayPal. He came in on them the, yeah, while he, we were doing PayPal. I don't know how much he actually did to even help, um, but he definitely took a lot of uh, credit for it. But even, like everything Elon Musk has done, he actually did nothing. No, I guess I guess I assume all things in my phone are the same thing because I'm really just thinking of Uber in general. But like how Uber 
how uh, uh, DoorDash, how a lot of these things have been contract workers from jobs that used to be, there used to be delivery services. Oh, yeah, there yeah. used to be taxi drivers. And mm-hmm. they used to have strong labor unions. And the way to undercut that is with contract workers who are just people who just need money and oftentimes don't know how much they're fucking over their fellow workers until it's like they're hoping in in the entertainment industry that that will fly and they're starting to realize to a certain extent you can't make art that way the closest you can get is reality television and even then you still need editors you still need producers you still need showrunners like you still need cameramen you need writers yeah like reality tv takes just as much writing as a normal show um so but i think we should transition now though into the the strike that is potentially going to start on august 1st which is uh the ups strike so uh, I believe it is drivers and ha- package handlers, yeah, but I'm not. That sounds cert- about right for Teamsters, yeah. And so, um, well, no, because like there's a tier, there's a pretty, pretty established tier, and that's because they're in because they have a similar situation where there were long term workers who had like had a set network of much like how the writers had a system that made sure that they always had work and they were always being paid and they were always being taken care of. Yeah. There was but something with like that. later with the later contracts have been created and like when a you don't, tier people of worker aren't was getting created. people aren't getting uh if you're in the union up until like a certain date, you, you get, get certain better things. benefits than the people and anyone after, after that. And honestly a lot of the people fighting are the people who get the better benefits fighting for the people to who don't have as good benefits to get yeah. more. And so the reason we're talk like obviously the UPS strike is a pretty big fucking deal. It's a big deal because it would be the largest um labor strike in America and the largest labor strike against one company. Oh, I, didn't I think too. I think I w- I watched a few different videos. So I watched Fox News coverage of it, which honestly was really weird because the Fox News coverage seemed literally just neutral it didn't seem like they were trying to push back on anything the teamster was saying they made it very clear that ups did not want to come on and speak with them um and like it, it, i guess i didn't know what to expect but i thought they'd be ruder to someone expecting labor rights considering how they talk about anyone else's desire for rights it, it spawned the conspiracy theory oh i figured it out when you said that a but it spawned the conspiracy theory among Corey and i that uh they've started to figure out like no we have to we have to we have to pick the winning side soon like we yeah, can't yeah you we can't, can't be fully uh, conservative uh, yeah. like we can at least maybe pull a little more towards the center because oan and whatever else is taking but, those but people. that's also kind of their market is like lower middle class on mm-hmm. like like yeah and i mean and those people all of those people are kind of in that same that same position as the ups workers so it's like well we're gonna lose our audience if we're the what is white has changed over the years and now what is white is like the kind of person who gets like we were saying earlier package deliveries and relies on ups on a day-to-day basis yeah no uh the interesting thing about this strike well i mean i mean it's not interesting but it's an important thing is that uh ups has had record profits since the pandemic obviously because people (sighs) needed things shipped home and one thing that i didn't know until recently uh ups uh amazon does not deliver in montana which oh. is the fourth largest state by size, like by um, quarter mile. Uh, oh my god, square mile! Yeah, Jesus yeah. fucking Christ! Because it goes like Alaska, Texas. Wait, so where, it goes, yeah, it goes Alaska, guys? Texas, California, Montana. Oh. No, Mont- California is so fucking long. 
But so Montana is huge. Amazon does not deliver there. Who does a lot of their delivering? UPS. The UPS. Um, Sorry, just to sidetrack for a sec. Amazon is kind of trying to be a similar thing as Uber has been and DoorDash has been. But, but for, for delivery. delivery. So that's that. I, th- I could imagine that's part of what's going on. But the real reason I think the strike is happening outside of like advocating for rights is that those workers are very aware of the profits. Yes. They're very aware of how much money UPS is making and very aware how little of that is being reflected to them and how many how many sacrifices that were required to be made during the pandemic. So um, we're going to talk about current history first. I don't want to talk about 97 yet. Okay. But what I want to talk about is 2018 because that's the contract that they're really okay. beefing with. And this and was you, of, so I'm going to... Oh. Yeah, because uh, after I watched the video with Fox, which yeah, was just really interesting to see neutrality, so that made me think that maybe this is going to happen... You know, like yeah. maybe the strike will happen and maybe something good will happen. I, I can't hold any breath. Um, but uh, then I watched um, the gal from the Young Turks. I don't really watch them, but I was just looking for YouTube videos and they suggested she was interviewing a Teamster. It was interesting because it seems very clear that the, there hasn't been a lot of good contract signings for quite some time, yeah. it sounds like. And this has been a common occurrence even decades ago. But um, 2018 was definitely not great because one thing that they did was they created. Hold on, I gotta. Yeah, I know a little bit about it while you're looking it up, which is that like at that time, uh, basically, no matter when you, it's that thing we were talking about. No matter when you had joined the union, you got the same rights, the same privileges, you got the same health care, and you and and the hours that you worked were so like if you worked 40 hours a week then you were part of the thing and blah 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 and they couldn't schedule you less than oh, yeah. x y and z and then in 2018 a second tier of basically part-time workers with less benefits who get paid less uh were made and they're worked uh sometimes up to the hour maximum usually more than that by them like kind of I mean, it's the same shit that happened at plaid where it's like well the work week is actually two yes. weeks long so, yeah yeah so if you work 19 hours in one of those days it's fine because like it's 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 that hours gets spread to the rest of the shit so mm-hmm. it's cool it's yeah, cool no. it's cool um so that that type of worker was called is called a 22.4 um or the 22 fours because, yeah, they split their contract between uh, driving and then working in the facility. That was the first one. Okay. No, because I've seen a few videos before this about it because I was kind of curious. It's one of those things that, like, I've loosely paid attention to but not focused on because, like, we've had a bunch of other shit go on. But it's also one of those things where, like, it seemed like in the past things hadn't come to a head. In any, like, nothing had ever exploded except for the incident in 97 that we'll talk about a little bit later. But, yeah. like, it had never occurred to me uh, uh, that the negotiation... Honestly, it hadn't occurred to me that negotiations ended because workers didn't get what they wanted. And I, so, for context, uh, on Thursday, UPS presented its economic proposal for the next labor contract, demanding massive wage cuts and the addition of new tiers for both part- and full-time workers. The logistics part giant is throwing down the gauntlet to its 340,000 workers, who voted earlier this month to strike by 97%. Do you know... I can't remember what the percentage was for the 97 one. We... We... I can't... Like, but I can't think of anything that you can get 97% of people to agree upon. Like, that's... If you find a hundred people 
18 of them are going to disagree about like 12 things. So it's wild that they're like, no, 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 we all agree we are fucked. Oh, also, so the proposal was so provocative that the negotiating team for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, eager to save face and desperate to get a deal done before the uh, July 31st deadline, pulled a stunt to save face. And this is the World Socialist website, so maybe this is kind of biased, but he pulled a stunt by walking out of negotiations. However, the union bureaucracy, which voluntarily signed a non-disclosure agreement at the start of talks, voluntarily decided they would not share de- they could not share details of the proceedings with the rest of the union. Well, that's cool. So the people who are supposed to be advocating for the other members of this union willfully signed an NDA. However, the union bureaucracy, um, but it said, never actually informed workers of the company had proposed. Details were leaked online, for, however, Friday morning. Um, so just, like, shittier wages. Um, that new fucking tier is really shitty. Um, the new proposal would greatly expand the tier system. For part-time, wage progression would be tiered to two classes of legacy workers. Those making more and those making less than 20 per hour. And a third tier of new workers hired after the contract officer's force. For example, legacy categories, general wage increases would be a paltry 55 cents for the first three years of the contract, followed by 60 cents an hour for the final two years. And for perspective, that is, like, cost of living is, like, hovering around, like, 2.6%, like, cost of living increase. Yeah. And some people have estimated up to 3.7%. That is, that is uh, not close to either of those numbers. Either of those numbers. I only I only mildly disassociated. It, it, I was just thinking about the thing we talked about earlier where it's like they're not asking for like $55 an hour to work Even one hour a day. Even that's what they should do based on what you're required to do. The bullshit you have to deal with. Yeah. So, but here, in fact. Given that only a portion of the proposal is like the full language might also create an even lower fourth tier of drivers through the massive increase of personal 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 vehicle drivers and Uber style package delivery system, while the PVT PVD gig uh, system is already in place under the current tra- contract, which has been widespread uh, speculation that UPS is dra- pushing for more significant expansion. And the reason I wanted to bring that up. Is that means that what Amazon is already doing, because Amazon does this as well, is what UPS is thinking is going to save their asses and make it so they can squeeze as much money out of their workers as fucking possible. Which which is ultimately what it is, because like you said, like they've had record profits. And a a lot of what this is, is I wouldn't be surprised them looking at Amazon and being like, oh, they're getting away with it. I guess we can get away with it, too. Which is why when I say things like when Uber came out, I was like, we could just not use Uber, right? Like yeah. there's there's alternatives to that, and people are like, well, no, you can't, not if it's cheaper. And it's like, well, you can't. So Pat, I, I know, no. I know, I know. Like, no, I, 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 I want to have Uber this conversation, ton- I, but I'm also in the position where, like, when I when I worked at the bar. I definitely used Uber to get home all the time because I couldn't afford a taxi or I couldn't exactly. find a ride home. But and the reason I'm bringing this up is because we were reading Sam Reich's thing where he's like, "I gave ten thousand dollars," and he but he said, "Donate your disposable income." And yeah. let's be honest, you don't really have disposable income. That's fair. And a lot of people technically don't really have disposable income, so we have to figure out the best way to spend money that because existing is like taking out another loan right now yeah right well i mean on a, on a certain level though here's the thing 
And I mean, other, obviously, we should try to pick better means to protect people, but like, I, I, I also all of our think feet are to the fire. Uber is a failure of of not just people who chose to use Uber, right? Like, not just the middle class people who are like, oh, I think I'll. It's the failure of taxi companies deciding that well, fuck it, and like, ta- like all these other unions, yeah. like just like making it so much harder. Because, like, again, this is something we've talked about already, where the problem is, is that unions are a response to a broken system. And so they're going to be inherently yeah. broken, especially if the hierarchy is run shittily. Which was and of- to bring us back to UPS, that is an issue. So a lot of the history of the Teamsters is connected with the mafia. Um, and it's like Jimmy Hoffa. Well, then there was also Jimmy Hoffa Jr. I'm a little fa- fuzzy on these details, but the guy who was talking in the video for the Young Turks, he just kept saying that, like, well, Jimmy kept on signing off to concessions for UPS instead of focusing on the needs of uh, the workers. And when that, the reason with that happening, uh, it started to, like, separate the, the union members from their leadership. Yeah. Um, and and that was a. And that, I mean, I imagine that's happened in a lot of industries in a way that then the union just dies in and of itself. Yeah, I mean that was. <laughs> but th- there's so many fucking UPS workers. Well, like I think part of that is also like that was 19 fucking 50s and 60s. Like, like we're not that same group. The people who are feckless now are feckless. And well, no, but we're seeing ways. this feckless behavior yeah. even in ni- yeah. in 2018 or in 2023. Yeah. And we also saw, like, leading up to 1997, that also was happening, too, because no. that was happening a lot. Where And oh, that I was Jimmy Hoffa. I wasn't so trying to, sure. yeah, 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 I wasn't trying to let them get away. It's just yeah, I, yeah. What, what I was, what I wanted to clarify, because, like, I've Is had this. Is that some of that has been addressed? Yeah, yeah, like, one of the big things, like, I've, I've definitely talked to a lot of union people over my years for a variety of reasons. Yeah. One I've known the, a wobbly or two. Yeah, and like one of the things even like Teamster people have said to me is like, no, we don't want criminals in here, right? And we, the, the, it's not run by crime anymore. The reason it sucks now is because hierarchies and things that are set up so that like once you're elevated to a certain position, you have a little bit more power over people. And you make too much fucking money. <laughs> those are fucked up. That's yep, just fucked exactly. up to have. That exactly. just fucks with you. And you're, it's that thing we were, we were just goofing off and talking the other day about how like, it, it's not so much that like power corrupts; it's that the people who are drawn to power. It's like the One Ring, right? Like the monster pe- flame. Yeah. Well, like like Sauron is evil with the ring from the Lord Sauron. of the Rings. He's evil because like when he gets it, he wants the whole world and like all that shit. The reason Bilbo's able to like throw it away is he just wants to eat good food and smoke like, weed and hang out with his like totally platonic life partner Sam. No, that's Frodo. You're talking about Bilbo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bilbo and Frodo both weren't really yeah, but the corrupted reason, by the ring in the way other people. Would and it's have because been. they weren't they they weren't called to be fucking masters of the universe. And that's they why didn't I, have the mental health condition of hoarding wealth. Yeah, and like that's that's why it's a reoccurring theme in the story that people who want power turn down the the power of the ring because they're like no 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 that's that's yeah, evil like, that's that's well bad. yeah because like you see people like Gandalf and uh, Aragorn, and Gladriel, Aragorn the, the famous one yeah and she even is like no 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 I would be a wonderful awesome queen I would be wonderful and I would, <laughs> and it be, would be awful awesome. yeah and like would you have that instead of like a dark lord like exactly. would you have endless force and blah 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 like that is always going to be kind of the case. I think that's one of those things in history that we keep repeating over oh, yeah. and over again. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then in one of the videos that I watched, a woman said that part-timers make less 
working at the UPS store. Or no, working at UPS, sorry. We're going to get in the UPS store. That is a separate thing. Yeah. But uh, part-timers now make less money than workers did in 1997 at UPS. And we did, we did see because a video. Because part-timers can get hired on at minimum wage and get capped out at like 21, maybe less. It's 2023. I was doing the math. Uh, in 2013, I was making $11 an hour. I only make $6 an hour more than I did then. And then I was thinking that back in 2006, I probably was making like $8 an hour. And to just think that like, I wonder what those numbers are with inflation now. And I'm a little nervous to realize that it's probably gone like this too. And it's not like the amount of work has decreased in that time. And one of the things they pointed out was like, once you accept the concession to we have to work 40 hours is the the max. Yeah. Once you accept that, because like the work week used to be what, like 30 hours a week or some shit in this country? Like, it Well, used no. So work week used to be really bad. And then bakers and bakery unions are a big part of the reason we have a 40 hour work week, because the more time you spend around fl- flour particulates, the more likely you are to develop baker's lung, which is probably like, you know, pre-cancer shit like that, where yeah. you're just coughing all the time. So... Like, there's been times in our history where we've had people work way too many hours. We've had them in sweatshops. We've had them in coat waste, waistcoat factories, yeah, triangle yeah. waistcoat factories, you know. And then uh, there's probably been times where out you could survive with part-time. But, like, by the time 1997 rolls around not and you're case. working for UPS, that's not going to cut it. You need more hours to have a family to live your life. And back then, what they were trying to do, and they still do this now, is these split shifts where you work four hours in the morning and then you work four hours at night. So then you have to figure out where the fuck to put sleep in there and also figure out what to do in between your doubled commute. And like to also, work. and and your work isn't paying you more for that commute. Yeah, they they aren't com- they aren't compensating you for that commute. They're also not compensating you for the fact that they're fucking with your day. And then right now, what's happening is like you'll have like a normal like m- normal ish more or less nine to five work week. But then they'll be like, well, next week we need you in the processing center, and we're going to need you to work uh one o'clock to nine in the morning. It's like this disrespect for how people live their lives, how they'll need, how this will upend the shit that they need to do, and then also just like not pay enough. I mean, we saw a clip in the documentary about the 1997 strike where Jay Leno was even in support of UPS drivers. So, like, this was a very popular strike in that they had a fuck ton of support. Because originally, originally those shifts also were part time in that, like, one person would come in part time and do that shift in the morning. And now they're like, no, we'll have. One person, person do in. those both. And the reason part-time shifts were created in general were for disabled to accom- people. And to accommodate people with families. Yeah, so that, like, all right, cool. I And also because there was this idea that you wanted to make a little money on the side. Like, a lot of what the early 24-hour culture of America in, like, the 80s and stuff when it's put in the newspapers, like, when I was reading through the planchet, is that it's like, well, no, this person is – there was a whole thing about it because there's an influx in, like, the early 80s of people – things being open 24 hours and people being willing to work, like, two jobs, right? Like, I'll work one job during the day and I'll work a second job at night in this convenience store or whatever, in part because they're like, yeah, no, I have a full-time job, but I want to save up to buy a better car. Or I want to save up to go to school. Or my kid is about to go to college, so I want to do that. Because there, there's this weird 
there is this idea that like no m- money and time have some amount of value like i don't want to sound conservative and be like it was better in the past but i mean there was this idea there was more respect for people's time i imagine yeah and the notion of part-time was for people like that where it's like no the, we're not going to rely on you full time we're going to rely on you to do this long enough to do it save up the money for the thing you want and quit yeah and like it wasn't this idea that like part-time just means we schedule you less than every fucking waking hour of your day. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's so. That's something that like I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day about because they're getting frustrated that they're not getting scheduled enough, but then they're asked to stay late. Like as a you know, and and I know why my manager's doing it because it's like I can't give you the hour. Like we're not giving you the hours that you want. Maybe here's some more. Um, but it's like I plan my life around the schedule I get, and I remember feeling like that when I was yeah. younger too. But like you work retail long enough, and it gets beaten out of you, and you're just like, no, that's just the way it is. They're gonna fuck you over, and you have to just be randomly reliable to them to get the hours you actually need. I, I, I was talking to a friend who was older than me, and I was trying to explain that like the fact that you're comfortable with companies doing that to you isn't a sign that you are stronger or better. It means that you're broken. Yeah, you're broken in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I do think the youth of today are broken in a bunch of ways. I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up in a world where people are like, yeah, I know the world is going to kind of end in like 2033, but like, I need to make some money off the housing market now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like, we're not going to address that. Sorry. And like, I can't, I can't imagine how, when people are like, kids are more violent today than before. I'm like, yeah, because they have a decade left, you idiot. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think the world's gonna end. I don't, I don't think it's gonna end, but I definitely think like, th- there's definitely g- gonna be irreversible oh, consequences no, to be... climate change inside of, I would, like, we're experiencing them in a lot of ways these days. Well, you know, like the biblical plagues they talk yeah. about, like in Exodus or whatever. I feel like we're just going to experience some of that shit, and, and a lot of poor and disabled people are going to die, and then we're going to have to pick up the pieces after that. I do. I feel like zombie movies or like Fallout have a surprisingly accurate portrayal of the fact that we're just going to normalize. Like, yeah, no, there's just there's just rampant nuclear. Here's your anti radiation pills. Yeah, like I think about that all the like I've been playing Fallout Four too much, uh, and yeah, like so I, this is a personal update. Um, Pat is like our, our part-time roommate who just comes over and plays video games now. It's fully great. It's fantastic. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't intentionally, I'll be like, hey, we should come over and work on a project or we should just hang out. And then Corey will hand me the controller. I'll be like, unfortunately, you've given me heroin. Yeah. So, no, like, uh, no. And I mean, it's nice because it's fun to hang out with you. And I'm totally not thinking about playing as soon as we're done. But one, <laughs> of, one, of, one of the things that happens in that game is you will experience radiation storms. And because the characters are all in this post-apocalyptic future, nobody questions the fact that there are storms with radioactive surges that go across the landscape. They like just it's nothing. assume that's a part of the, the just, landscape that's now. How, that's just how the world is. And like, I think that's not too dissimilar. To, like, we're going to be like, no, nah, it just gets no, yeah, it's, 300 it's, degrees. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's hurricane seasons all year now. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, no, that's normal. And what rich people, like, literally what these billionaire, like, fucking with the. To, to, well, to go back to the acting thing and the writer strike, like, one of the dudes responded from a billionaire retreat, right? And what those retreats are about are basically like, well, where do we put our money? Uh, so that we don't have to lose any of it or yeah or when there's a climate catastrophe like where do we want to live like what country do we want to just claim as our own like you have the you have the table of contents but yeah actually so 
pre-1997 strike, obviously Reaganomics had just wrecked everything. And I mean, obviously there were other things building on, but that was one thing that really solidified the increase in the uh, economic divide. Um, he was brought in, I think, at some point to deal with UPS negotiations. And, of course, he he was known to come down on the side of any business over yeah. their striking workers. Uh, so leading up to 1997, that's just, kind of just just anybody, like even the fucking air, the airplane controllers, aircraft controllers. Oh yeah, that was, yeah, a whole, yeah. That was a whole big deal. Yeah, no. So like, uh, leading up to 1997, a lot of your leadership for the union is people like Jimmy Hoffa Jr., who just keep on signing contracts that require so many concessions of the workers. So etching away at pay, etching away at rights, etching away at having any sort of fucking work life balance. Uh, well, then this dude got elected, uh, Ron Carey. Yeah. And in his, like, his, like, speech that uh, we had in the documentary, he was, like, talking about how it's, like, ground up. It needs to be all of us. Um, we need to be, um, uh, advocating for ourselves. And, uh, we needed to move away from having a leadership that is influenced by mafia hierarchy. And so, that's when a really big strike started. Like it was, it was huge, and uh, I believe the the like you know the corporate suite at uh, UPS reached out to Bill Clinton, and they're like, "Hey, can you like intervene on this?" And based on like the polling, because honestly, people were really in support of this strike. Yeah. People were showing up the picket to give workers food. There were customers just yeah. participating in the picket. I with remember them. some of that as a kid because I was, don't remember. I there was, was pretty young. There was a few other like strikes and stuff. And the other thing was like my family worked for Fred Meyer, and they were going like the Teamsters were on strike there too because like they were going through similar contract negotiations and like a similar tier system and contract non-contract kind of setup was being like I was too young to get most of what was going on but there's a number of other other strike like situations because like yeah I imagine the, there was I imagine when there's one strike there's a lot of strikes yeah, basically any I mean like historically speaking uh uh thing I forgot to mention the the American innovation to to striking is the Pinkertons where like you you have the private police force that you hire like from across the country to deal with your strike as opposed to your local goons right but uh th sorry that doesn't matter to this the the part that it matters is any matter. anytime there's technological innovation there is a, a threat a, to a, employment and, and, and like that instead of it meaning your job is easier now oh you don't need to do your job anymore yeah or we only need you for that one part of it so yeah. we're gonna have you here less or pay you less because a thing to always remember is these people don't see it as they don't see profit as money that comes to them after the fact they assume they've earned that profit. And yeah. so if they have and less what profit. What we're asking for is cutting into their cut instead of their cutting into our cut of the thing that we fucking did. And they don't do any, like most of, again, remember most CEO jobs, I've mentioned it in the past, are like a couple of lunches and some phone calls with other people about. Yeah, but like, I had to play golf four times this week uh, and it was exhausting. It, it reminds me of that Carlin bit where he's like, business is just a business deal is just two people trying to fuck each other and whoever's the best at fucking is the best at business like it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's sometimes he was good oh also we are in red Great. alert weather in uh, portland oregon which means it's just really hot and windy uh and Heads uh, up. and honestly that these my these things are connected because that same mindset that's no because that same mindset that's like no i will fire people 
uh, says, I don't care what happens to the planet in 30 yep. years oh, because yeah. I will, I won't be around. Or if yeah. I will, thanks to my billionaire retreat, I know where the fuck to move. So they asked Bill Clinton to concede uh, for them. Uh, UPS corporate did. And uh, this time I, I didn't. This time I did not concede. Yeah, he uh, he definitely put his finger in his mouth to the wind on this one because based on uh, Bill Clinton's signing of NAFTA. Well, no, he got rid of the job. Like he was like, no, don't worry, I'm gonna fuck the workers. Like I'm I'm planning on fucking the workers. If you guys could keep it quiet, like you guys, honestly, like I wonder, I wonder if he was like, these strikes are great because nobody's gonna notice when I do this thing, right? Because like. That's also when they took our jobs gets its biggest increase, right? Instead of being like, oh, the executives took our jobs, like, the executives get a nice shift because they're like, no, it's just more profitable to work out of Mexico or China or wherever. Yeah. I don't know why they sound like that. But I mean, like, so the man who helped cement the neoliberalism that fucks unions over even more, put his finger to the wind, stuck his his big ol' index finger up in his mouth and stuck it to the wind. And realized it would not be smart of him to intercede on this. Because I think in the, the, the clip that they had where he's like, I read the Hayes Act and this is not egregious enough for me to step in. And I was just like, dang, I love. Oh, you know like, what? We've, done, we've been doing with enough judicial politics lately that like that sentiment felt so fucking hollow. Hey, so wait, what year was that? 97? 97. You know what might have had an influence on that, too, is the fact that, like, his numbers are about to be down because of the Monica Lewinsky scandal. When did that hit? That 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 relationship ends in 97, and it comes out not much later, right? And that's also the start of a number of bad... Like, I don't think it's the start. I think there's a number of bad things. They, they go after him for Monica Lewinsky because they can't get him on a bunch of other shit they want to get him yep. on. And so, like, there's a small part, like... Fucking the United States history is so messy. It's so messy. Well, and also, like, it's so hard for us to actually see all the pieces in motion because yeah. to look at history from this perspective and be able to actually pinpoint what's going on when you can only hold so much of what happened in that time in your head at one time. Uh, but uh, he decided that he was go- not going to concede uh, in uh, for UPS, so the workers' strike continued. Um, I don't honestly fucking remember what happened uh, that's like, right that was when the contract was last set was 97 they got last got what they wanted and since then it's been sign off just yeah and it's been a, and a good amount of eroding has happened yeah. over time as well um but like 90 90.1 uh oh did you did you look at that image i sent us i don't remember okay so either I lo- way i looked it up and and uh the the value using uh in 2013dollars.com which is what i usually use to figure out inflation for the show uh the value of a dollar from 1997 to 2023 uh the dollar had an average inflation rate of 2.5% 2.5% uh between 97 and today producing a cumulative pr- increase of prices 90.10%. Yep. This means that today's prices are 1. time 1.9 times as high as average prices since 1997. So it's, and so that's everything, according. Everything's almost twice as expensive. Yeah, and like they're still making about the same mm-hmm. relative mm-hmm. to that is the important part. And you'll notice a lot of other industries because there hasn't been as big of a swell of labor rights. And like, yeah, well, and I mean, you have Amazon, 
where they are they are violently anti-union, and UPS is taking pages out of their playbook. Yeah, and so I want to actually get into some of the stuff that I experienced working at the UPS store. Oh, now. Ahead, yeah. I don't think I'm going to have that job for very much longer because I can't afford to have it in much longer. But um, so for perspective, if you go into a UPS store location where there's people in little blue polo shirts or whatever, those people are not union. Those people are beholden to the franchise owner for any rights and any benefits at the job uh, beyond what is in the federal and state uh, workers' codes. Uh, so when this strike goes through, uh, and depending on how long it lasts, it is very possible I will get my hours cut even more than they already are, so I will not be able to afford to work just there without getting another job or finding another job myself. Another thing that's important to note is that this is going to affect a lot of people who need things delivered to their homes. And I'm not saying that... Disabled people. Yeah, disabled people, sick people. Older people. Older people. People like, stuck at home with a kid who can't fucking go out and do... Like, I, as, there as are much some shit, people you cannot take out... There's some kids you cannot take out for fucking errands. And as, that's not a dig on parent or child. As much as I give shit to, like, Amazon, the home delivery is important. Like, no, it like, is absolutely and, important, and, and, but and, it has been commodified because it's... We realize it's such a great luxury, so we've made it as accessible as they can while still making as much money as possible. So this strike is going to have some pretty intense ramifications uh, for a lot of things if it does happen. Um, and it's going to directly affect my life, or at least I'm anticipating it to do so. Now, there are people that would be in my position and would decide they are anti-union because they see the negative effect on their work situation by this happening. I can understand where that comes from, but I also feel like that is barely looking past your nose on what's going on and, and like don't get me wrong i sorry I, I didn't well, even I was, well i was gonna speak to, to something real quick which is like i do understand that also a lot of people in that position who are maybe anti-union as, as an employee don't understand that they are in the precarious position they are because like jobs aren't held as as a kind of important as important as they are that the means to their living no, yeah. and what and like a I encountered lot of people it, who are anti-union refuse to acknowledge how important unions are to the things that they take for granted at their job or, or a lot of people are just like a, a lot of what i experienced like trying to talk to people with plant stuff was like a lot of people being like look i am lucky to just have job like, like with my skills with whatever i have this thing is so low in society's level of importance and and care for it that i a homeless person can get it or i a person who like has whatever issue and i'm not gonna threaten that in any fashion by trying to be in any way precarious so i can understand if th there's also some of that with with uh no, I, people I, where it's like i've met a couple of your co-workers where it's like no i don't i i think this is the best job you can get and because of that, if you anything happens to it, it's gonna matter to you. It is definitely a narrowing of position, right? But it's it's definitely a a a, a narrowing of of outlook because you're too hungry to look beyond it sometimes. So I get yeah. that. I, I totally, no, no, and I'm not gonna say that yeah. any of my coworkers are yeah everybody, critiquing this. Every, no, honestly, they're unionizing under your no, not, no. Not, I mean, I don't think that anyone from work listens to this, yeah. and I don't think that the owner or anyone would be listening. But like. The people on my level um, have definitely been talking about the potential of unionizing. I think we would all just get fired. Like, I I don't think there would be, like, I genuinely don't know how we would hold out 
Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, and I just think like our our demands wouldn't be unified enough because yeah, and I need hire, thirty hours a week. And they would find again, it's just good enough a job. They would find somebody desperate exactly because they do. They too pay a lot, a little higher than a lot of other things in the neighborhood and in the area. To so, to use Carlin again, like the the middle the the poorest people exist to keep the middle class people scared, and it kind of works on down the yeah, stratum. Where, but like, I guess what I what I was trying to say, there's a difference between someone who works at the UPS store and someone who works for UPS. And while we were you were talking about what you were talking about, I actually thought about the fact that it actually makes sense that they would have wanted to franchise it out because just imagine every single UPS store being union, because mm-hmm. like. No, it's so much easier for you to franchise it out, but you still get that good name of being associated with UPS regardless of what the labor practices are at your job. And so the distinctions I would like to make is that I am not guaranteed any amount of hours. I can I I, I only accrue an hour of sick leave for every eight hours worked, and I cannot find it on my pay stub, so I have to trust that my manager is compiling it correctly and that is uh, putting it on my pay, like, is going to use it appropriately for me. It won't be shitty if you ask for it. Yeah, I mean, she's not really shitty, but it's like, it's it feels like chasing my own tail to try to figure it out. There's no health insurance. There are no other benefits. You don't get vacation. Whatsoever. Yeah, there's no vacation time whatsoever. And when it comes to being a UPS worker, I think even if you're lower level is that after time on the job, you will get some vacation time. Uh, you are guaranteed much more work time, but the conditions are really fucking tough. And the hours can be really fucking tough. They do a lot of overnight work and like shitty weird shifts. So like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that union or non-union, everything's really fuckity. And being supportive of when unions are and are trying to advocate for themselves not only benefits the people who are part of that union, but it benefits the rest of us. Cause maybe, maybe this will mean that my management will think about it. Even think about it. I guess someone at my work asked if my manager, how they would feel if we unionized. And she said, she's like, well, I'd feel sad that you didn't think you could solve the issues with me. And I was just like, it's just so fucking out of touch to take that personally. Yeah, no, well, I mean, that's... Because it's like, cause it, but it goes into that family shit, where it's like, we're family, and that also goes into, I will take it personally if you have a critique of what I did, because we apparently have a toxic family dynamic. And it, and it goes into one of the things we didn't talk about, but I do remember being on the thing, which is like, when you create a hierarchy, then people think they're important. It makes me think of that thing that that manager said to me, where he's like, well, if, if you get rid of the middle class, then everybody's just rich and poor. Do you want that? Is that what you want? And it's like, no. But I want you to realize which side of the line you're actually on so that you'll... Yeah, how much closer you are. Middle class is so much closer to poverty than it is to being rich. And and it's a similar thing also with management where, like, they make a line exist so that you guys will fight each other so that they don't have to. Because a lot of privilege is just doing things to, like... Sorry, I was thinking in terms of D&D. But you know how you get, like, levels of exhaustion, right? Because you've been going over difficult terrain or whatever? Like... If you're not exposed to the cold, you don't get a level of exhaustion in game. So if you have good clothing and good shelter and somebody to carry you around in a snowstorm, you're fine. But if you have to walk through the snowstorm and you don't have good clothes and you don't have a place to hole up for the night, you're going to be fucked come morning in game terms. And like, I hate to equate life to a game 100% of the time, but like in game terms, you get Priv- privilege is fucking giving you advantage. I don't know. Sorry. Well, yeah, no. Easy mode, like, 
if we're going to separate this out, survival mode is poverty. Yeah. Easy mode is living with a lot of privilege. Yeah. Um, and I mean, a lot of games, like... Eh. And management is a way to increase your privilege. Because basically, employees have to burn through management to get to you. That's why there's always, like, extra layers. Why there's a secretary. Mm-hmm. Why there's well, security like, guards. Why they're on the top floor. Like they, they say a lot of times that management is there to support you. But in reality, management is there to just keep you from being a problem. Because um, a job is ultimately somebody giving you money to do a thing they don't want to do themselves. Yep. And, yep. and the more people remember that, instead of thinking a job is a privilege that you get because some wealthy person said you can get it. Because, like, I used to think of it that way. I used to be like, it's a real privilege to work for you. Thank you. And then it really clicked in my mind that I was like, wait, you don't want to fucking do this. Dang, I've never felt that about. No, I used to, well, because I, I mean, I've done enough, like jobs where it was like this is a person to person level where like you're taking a risk on me as as a used car salesman oh, I mean, like, or as a comedian too a little bit where that's it's a good like, point i mean i guess i have felt that way about some things but like i guess because my first job was target there was no honor yeah. in that well no to me like my my first job was you know besides like mowing lawns for people which is also people my friends and family being like look i'm gonna give you more money than necessary to do real menial labor right so i saw it in that sense my my other first job was like working in an old folks home so to a certain degree i was like i'm helping people i don't want to get too lost in the sauce but i guess what i'm saying is is that this strike could potentially make my life a lot more stressful financially um and it's probably going to make a lot of people's lives more stressful financially not only the strikers but a lot of people either who rely on their service or are in adjacent businesses um and I just, I just hope that, and also, there is a, uh, there's a uh, parody song of Men in Black by Will Smith that's Men in Brown, specifically about uh, uh, UPS workers. It is, it is absolutely worth typing Men in Brown uh, into YouTube U- and listen to it. Yeah, it is. It's pretty great, but it's just funny that it came completely full circle because, like. Men in Black 2 was negatively affected by the writer's strike. UPS workers made a song about the 97 strike using a Will Smith song for Men in Black. It's kind of beautiful. So, like, in all of this shit show of talking about a um, type of labor practice that and is, is like a cure for a system that's so fucked oh, shit. up. Oh, shit. What? And 2018 was also like when that writer strike for uh, 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 about streaming service or not streaming, but uh, uh, there was a writer strike like in 2018 for not necessarily the same thing, but similar reasons <laughs> that ended up getting resolved a little bit quicker, if I remember. Probably, yeah, because yeah. I feel like the last just, long labor just, strike, just, the long, the last long writer strike was the one in like 2006. You know, you know that thing, that stencil you would get as a kid where it would just turn all the circles. Oh, into, a spirograph. Like, yeah. It's just that. Yeah, life is that. All right, sorry. But yeah, so I guess, like, strikes are good, and unions are good, because they're all we have in capitalism, and uh, if you have a problem with strikes, then you have, and unions, then you have a problem with capitalism. And And I guess that's where I think it really needs to land. And I had a positive-ish thing to end on before we Gross. did this. Well, just that, like, no, right, I, right. I was thinking about that line about disposable income by Sam Reich. Reich? Reich? Uh, Sam Reich. Sam Reich. And 
uh, the the thing that struck me is he was talking about like you know donate your money. But then the thing we heard in the '97 video was people showed up with like fucking bottles of water and sandwiches and food, for and the worker, and they they picketed with them. So and if you don't have money but you do have those things, that's a great thing to do. And during the the era I like to call the labor wars in the you know fucking 18 to 1900s in the United States, like. A lot of how that was supported was communities came together and was like, all right, we'll just fucking stone soup it. We'll just make sure everybody gets fed. We'll make sure everybody gets the shit they need. Like, there were schools that went on during strikes because families were like, well, you know how to read and explain the English language, right? Cool. You sit down with the kids. You, you, oh, yeah, no, there was definitely yeah. some teacher strikes when my older brothers and sisters were no, no, but No, I mean, like, during the, well, I mean, like, in the early 1900s when schools aren't as solidified of a thing, like, workers uh, organizing together like they would be like well look like not everyone can pick it not everyone can like get in a fight with the fucking pinkertons so you'll hang out with the kids mm. you'll uh fucking help clean the houses you'll cook because that's what you're good at in this organization and that's what scares like the richie riches of this country is like the idea is that we can do it without them yeah we can just do it better when we have their money and they know that means we can just eventually take their money from the bare minimum you can do is if you hear someone saying some anti-union bullshit, just, I don't know, point out, point oh. out that you know some people who are pretty pro-union. Or, like, think back to someone in your life who had a union job and they got a fucking pension. If I, do you know that people used to get pensions? Can you? I mean, this was the whole point of the cost of convenience. But if the fucking union at Plaid had taken off, if kind of the shittiest, lowest gig worker in the United States in the mid-80s when, like, crime is on the rise and people are like, why aren't I making money at work? And, like, jobs are not in too different a state than they are now. If that union had fucking survived, and, oh and, and that was kind of a standard of work and living for people to engage in, the things they were asking for, like, time off are things that are, like, like, vacation time and shit are legally mandated to be in existence now, right? So yeah. if if we had already set that bar in eighty seven, where oh, the yeah. fuck would we be today? So if, like, if why we had made the fifteen dollar minimum wage when that actually was a good minimum wage? Like, where the fuck would we be? To th- and here's the thing: it's not like you would be any less rich, right? And it's again, not like you, you, oh. yeah, yeah. And again, and again, this is gonna be the last thing. This is gonna be the last thing. If someone's asking you, how are you gonna pay for that? All they're really asking is, yeah, well, how do corporate elite and billionaires maintain their hegemony? They do not care about how to pay for it because we can pay for everything. There is enough. There always has been and there always will be until we fully destroy the planet for ourselves. Because and, and we're, A, we're talking about roads, not sandwiches. Because sometimes there's a really expensive sandwich and you're like, how are you going to afford that? Can you really afford that? Anyway, but the points are made up. Everything's made up and the points don't matter. Like, we yes. can find a way to afford. The national debt is a made up number that we were like, yeah, no, we, we, we have this thing. All right. The reason I wanted to say the donating things is because the show does have a lot of supporters. We do not, have a lot of supporters. Some of them are just people who occasionally are like, would you like food or weed or money? Mm-hmm. I love the crap out of them. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie and Carrie and Carrie. I think there's three of them. No, there's two Dang. of them. There used to be. 
There used to be three, and then a thing. Uh, and then well, two carries merged. Yes. Uh, uh, no, but there's a lot of cool people who support the show in a variety of ways. Uh, but for the spot that we like to call the executive producers of our program, uh, that goes to the patrons. If you want to support the show, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash recyclables. There's a very good chance this might be like Rochelle's Patreon before too long, too, if uh, things continue the way they're going. So if you want to keep Rochelle and Pat alive. Like, yeah, like the amount that Pat and I like have created supports between us that mean that most of this is interchangeable. Yeah, no. It's like half the time I get a boo and I pass a little off to Pat and vice versa. Yeah. Because both of us don't know how to keep money in a way to survive. Yeah. And and my daughter has already said you're her other dad. So yeah, I'm, uh, but I'm doing Corey's, a good job. But she said Corey is your my her uncle, which I'm like that just confuses the whole family. No, dynamic. it actually makes a good amount of sense. All right, fair. Because I mean Corey and I are not in a straight relationship. Let's no, that's, be honest. That's fair. That's fair. So uh let's let's Speaking of people not in straight relations, no, that doesn't work because some of them are pretty straight. Um, but I wanted to give a shout out to our executive producers. Those are the people who support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I'll let you just say them this time. I don't need that. You don't, you don't want add anything? Okay. Um, I want to give a shout out to an executive producer who is not on the list, uh, but was for a long time and wasn't actually on there. Uh, uh, Chelsea Taylor, uh, executive producer at one point in time, and I have not shouted her out. You're a bad person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it is no longer was in the past since I started doing this thing. And Honorary. She was, yeah, and she was, and, and she was like, "Hey, uh, are, are you mad at me?" And I was like, "No, no, no, no. You just your your thing wasn't the thing." And so I didn't. Anyway, uh, executive producer. Uh, we love them wholeheartedly. Yes, but executive producer. Anyway, current executive producer Sabrina Phillips. Uh, I hope you enjoy your visit to Oregon. Edwin Shives, uh, I never have personal information about you. I feel really bad. I just like knowing you, you have an awesome name. Um, yes. Stephanie Oxford, thank you for the- It was lovely to meet you. Yeah. That was a wonderful opportunity. I would love to do it again. Yeah, thank you for reminding me that like volunteering my stage time is totally a valid and acceptable way of helping people. Like mm. it, it meant a lot to me to be reminded that somebody. Sometimes who, that's all I have to offer. Somebody who honestly kind of taught me that lesson to begin with, Whitney Hampson, executive producer of the podcast. Thank you. One of my you. favorite people on the planet. Uh, a person who reminds me of my worth, I think, but like they'll do it real mean. Uh, Nova Starlust, thank you for being an executive. I producer. think that's because that's the only way you want it. Executive producer mm-hmm. Rob Campbell, thank you for all the wonderful things you do. Thanks, I hope Rob. I hope your art is going well as well. Uh, Andrea Miller, thank you for being an executive producer. I hope I hope the summer is treating you well and your kitty cats are well. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Rowan, executive producer and wonderful lady and delightful parent, extremely and- funny. Um, I think she advanced in the Portland's oh. funniest. I mean. I'm not going to tell people not to go to rounds. I'm just not going to go to a lot of them. But but good luck to her, nevertheless. Absolutely. Uh, a kind of double producer of the podcast, Linda Grimes. Uh, thank you for being the executive producer. You're you're a wonderful lady, and I appreciate thank you. Thank you, Linda. Uh, a wonderful they. Oh, fun fact. Uh, whenever the like people who come to check our store to make sure we're doing it right come in, I don't wear my name tag because my name tag's at home. There used to be a gal who worked with us named Linda, so I am Linda. That is pretty cool. And Linda always talked about her dog, but I never got to see her dog before she quit. So it's a fake dog. So I just have all my coworkers ask me questions about my fake dog. No. Pat, ask me a question about my fake dog. Uh, how's your fake dog doing today? I don't know. <laughs> no, I do it as vague as possible. Like, what, <laughs> no, what color is your dog? It depends. No, it's it's so good. It's. <laughs> did you did you walk your dog today? Maybe. <laughs> all right. Let's. 
it's the most evasive fake because like i can't commit to anything because then i'd have to like make sure and remember that forever that's why i can't lie Let, let's not be evasive and fake with our uh, uh delight linda's and, not fake yeah, not not linda at all Grimes is not fake linda my old co-worker's dog is fake uh, also not fake butterface creations very uh, real go ahead and support their patreon if you're if, absolutely if you can. Yeah. uh carrie davis one of the one of the carries thank you for supporting the carrie i know uh, no, 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 different Carrie. Yeah. No, it's Carrie. I know she. I'm, I think you guys will get along. I think you yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. You, you, uh, you guys got similar uh, adult energies. Like, like similar the the adult in the room, full of children. Uh, <laughs> but can can get down and child it as well yeah if they yeah, need yeah, it. yeah yeah uh uh executive producer erica and thank you for for uh being an executive producer and a, and a and a stepsister uh along Ooh. along with executive producer chella l thank you also yes. i feel like i should mention things other than that but i haven't been on facebook in a while so i don't know what they're up to uh and last but not least i would like to thank executive producer ash alexander thank you thank you, you ash uh, and at this point, the musicals start doing stuff. Uh, did you see Ash's new cat? I, I did. Oh, oh it's a new God, kitty. I didn't I realize. think so. I, I don't know. I thought they. I thought that weird little face has always been there. I Maybe know. I don't know, but I saw the picture today, and I was like, "That's delightful." Uh, oh, oh, and 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 check us out next time because this time I actually know what our next episode will be about. It'll probably be about Vanport. So <laughs> something real sad. Yeah. Sorry about that burp, folks. No, it'll be great. Bye. Bye. But like, like as a that was a good one. That was a good one. As a cripple, too. Like, pardon me. Well, I'm was doing weird. great. That was yeah. No, that was like a burp that I thought was going to be a cough, and then it didn't. I mean, I guess America's incest obsession makes sense with me because of our twins' obsession. Thank you for picking up recyclables today. Donations to the Acast streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.